innovative Often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it Make it way harder for them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk You painted skunks You played enough I'm lifting bars to outer space So the wait is up Fight It is the most wonderful time of the year, everyone, and I am excited to bring you another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio. For a lot of folks that enjoy watching sports, the most wonderful time of the year involves March and watching college basketball and things like that. For me, because I love jiu-jitsu, this is the best part of the year because we are right on the verge of the Mundials, the World Jiu-Jitsu Championships, which is what it's all about. And we have another Toro Cup on the horizon on June 10th. When you combine that with a whole bunch of other events that happened this weekend, including U.S. Grappling Greensboro, including some MMA fights, including some really interesting belt promotion news, uh, I couldn't possibly more, be more excited to be training jiu-jitsu and to be watching jiu-jitsu. This show is our Mundial preview show. We're going to do two things. First of all, I'm going to explain to folks that do not have the opportunity to be live at the Mundials how you can watch it remotely, how you can follow along, keep track of your friends, keep track of your teammates, keep track of the people that are most likely to win the World Jiu-Jitsu Championship and just kind of make sure that you're plugged into that. So even if you can't make the trip to Long Beach to the Walter Pyramid, which hopefully you can at least one point in your life, you can still watch the matches live. You can still keep track of what's going on. We're going to explain to you our method for doing that and in the most efficient method we've been able to find second we're going to preview all the local competitors well not all of the local competitors because we have a huge host of, of competitors coming this year but uh, i'm going to highlight some of the ones to watch both locally and nationally and globally this year we're in a really privileged position because we have a ton of local competitors out there competing at a high level and I think we have a fair bit of folks that could get on the podium and so we're gonna break that down for you as well but first I gotta tell you how to get a hold of the show you can always email dirty white bell radio at cageside whup at gmail.com that's cageside whoop at gmail.com you can interact with us on Twitter at dirty white belt we have an Instagram or at Twitter at DWB radio we have an Instagram account which is dirty white belt we're pretty active there and you can follow us there as well you can always interact with us on our Facebook page at cageside radio which is where we're gonna post all of these updates and when I say uh, we're gonna try and keep track of all the local competitors as by way of a preview we have a post up on our Facebook page right now that we're going to also post to the blog at dirtywhitebelt.com that has all of the local competitors in North Carolina and beyond, the American Southeast, that we know of. That And and so we invite you to go to our Facebook page and comment. Go to dirtywhitebelt.com and comment. Let us know who we left out. Let us know if there's anybody that we should be watching that we're not currently aware of, and we will keep track of, of that for you. So let's get into the show. Um, we're going to start with the news segment because this weekend was packed. And unfortunately, I was on the road for a bunch of it for work, but I was still able to follow along remotely. Uh, I love living in the era of technology. Uh, there was there were just so many things that even if I'd have been here, you just can't be in two places at the same time. And so uh, I, I was pretty excited to see uh, jujitsu promotions, to see U.S. Grappling Greensboro, and to see MMA fights go down. Let's start with uh, let's start with the news of belt promotions. I want to send out special congratulations. A lot of people got promoted this weekend, uh, but I want to send out two special congratulations. The first is to Josh Murdoch. Josh uh, has been a show guest twice, has been a highly competitive jujitsu athlete for a long time, uh, and his you know and everyone knows his brother CJ Murdoch, black belt, extremely tough dude. And Josh has been. Um, one of the best representatives of jiu-jitsu, in my view, in the area for quite a long time. He's that guy who always trains hard, never complains, who uh, has a positive attitude even when things don't go his way, and whose jiu-jitsu has just exploded over the last three years in terms of his technical ability, in terms of his competitive success. Uh, recently, we had him on the show after he got the bron a bronze medal at the New York Open and the adult brown belt division, a tremendous achievement. And Josh recently earned his black belt from Jeremy Orell at Great Grappling. And this this was something that was, it, it's, it's not a surprise to anybody that Josh got promoted to black belt. It's the natural evolution of where he's he's gone. It's something that's extremely well-deserved. And just couldn't be really couldn't be prouder of Josh and happier for him. And it's great to see the Murdoch brothers as twin black belts. And we're sure they're going to be a force not only on the competition scene, although that is true too, but just a, a, a positive force in the community. And so couldn't be happier for Josh. Uh, 
congratulations to Josh. Another promotion I want to call out is Lourdes Cantu. Now, you've heard Lourdes on the show. Uh, Lourdes has done some of our most popular and well-received interviews. Lourdes, you heard her interview Gary Tonin. You heard her interview Ida Flosvik. Um, we're going to hear, uh, Lourdes has a lot of great ideas for um, upcoming shows as well. And Lourdes got her purple belt from Mazi Haideri. And, you know, the purple belt is a really significant thing. Um, it and, uh, and Lourdes is somebody that, if you have watched her train and you've observed the way that she contributes to the community and observed her technique and her ability to learn, you know that this is something that is super well-deserved. Like, I, I think I told Lourdes a year ago that I thought she was on the cusp and Lourdes was like, was a little too humble. But um, her technique's great. Um, her her contributions to the community and to the show are much appreciated. And so congratulations to Lourdes Cantu on her well-deserved purple belt. I know a bunch of other folks got promoted as well. Uh, I just wanted to highlight those two. So congratulations to everybody who took another step in your jiu-jitsu journey. Related to the jiu-jitsu journey, um, I want to talk about another show guest, Seth Smith, for a second. Seth um, took out took the weekend and went up to New York to compete in the Grappling Industries Tournament in New York City. Really well-attended tournament. A lot of tough people using that as a tune-up for the Mundials as well as just to get out and compete. And Seth won the Gi Division in his weight class, so congratulations to Seth. You can hear a lot about Seth's competition philosophy, about how he approaches it in that show in the archive. That was one of the most fun shows we've done. So congratulations to Seth. Great job and uh, continued success in the future. A couple of other things I want to mention before we get into U.S. Grappling Greensboro uh, are related to MMA. And two guys had MMA fights that I want to highlight. One, Chris Crawford fought in Bellator, and that's a big deal. You know, Chris has been an active fighter for quite a long time. We've always wanted to get Chris on the show, and I'm really hoping that we can do that at some point in the future. And so Chris got uh, to fight in Bellator at the Charlotte Speedway um, in an outdoor uh, event with like where it was like 90 degrees, which is crazy, and I would love to get Chris on the show and talk to him about that. Chris unfortunately lost a tough decision, but it was a great fight. It looked like he had a terrific time, and frankly, um, something I observed and, and that I've heard from a couple of people is if the fight had gone another round or another, another two rounds, if it had been a five-round fight instead of a three-round fight, Chris stood a really good chance of, of winning that fight. And so hopefully that heralds bigger and better things in Chris's future. And, you know, having a Bellator fight is a feather in your cap anyway. And so to put on such a good performance is something Chris should be very proud of. Someone else that should be very proud of their MMA performance. And I'm not surprised, as the great Nate Diaz said, Kevin Squatch Satterfield from Elevate MMA made his amateur MMA debut and not only won, but emerged victorious by submission with a second round rear naked choke. Now, Kevin weighed in at 262 pounds for this fight. If you know Kevin, uh, you, you know his physical abilities. And if you don't know Kevin, you can probably guess the fact that his nickname is Sasquatch. Uh, implies something. But the thing is, like, Kevin has, uh, you know, I've, I've had the, the great good fortune to train with Kevin a fair bit over the last year, and his technique's really, really good, and he is always seeking to improve. And so Kevin went out and executed and was able to finish the fight by rear naked choke in the second round. It's a really, I, I know that all the Elevate guys are really excited, uh, and Kevin has really good reason to be proud. Put in the good work, put in, you know, it's always nice to see hard work get rewarded. You know, it, you don't always get the result you want, but preparing properly, which I know that Kevin and the Elevate guys did, always gives you the best chance of a good result. And so I'm pleased to report that Kevin won his amateur debut. Um, I'm sure that this is just the, the first of many exciting martial arts performances from Kevin Satterfield. So congrats to Kevin and all the guys at Elevate MMA. I want to close out the news segment by talking about U.S. Grappling Greensboro. U.S. Grappling Greensboro was May 20th. It was Saturday, and I saw a lot of the results coming in. Unfortunately, I was in a late flight uh, from the West Coast that got in about 2 a.m., and so I wasn't able to make it this time, which was extreme disappointment. I really wanted to have some interviews from that tournament. But I did see a bunch of tremendous performances, both from adults and from kids. It was a, the a really well-attended kids tournament. And so I got a lot of great feedback from folks who had a really good time. The next time you have an opportunity to compete at U.S. Grappling in this area is June 27th in Richmond, Virginia. And so definitely sign up for that tournament, especially if you're a North Carolina person and you're tired of seeing all the same faces at your tournament. Um, Richmond is a terrific jujitsu hotbed. Uh, Andrew Smith School is up there, Revolution BJJ, with Daniel Frank, Jarrett Church, uh, Trey Martin, a whole lot of great black belts. There's Eric Berto and Liz Susson's school. There's Seth Smith, who I mentioned earlier's school, as well as a bunch of others that I, you know, that I'm leaving out. And sorry about that. But like a whole population of really, really tough folks that you don't have the opportunity to roll with on a regular basis. And so I always love going to U.S. Grappling Richmond because it's sort of that confluence 
of folk from D.C., folk from North Carolina, South Carolina, converging onto Richmond, Virginia. And so that'll be a, a, a really fun affair. So you can go to usgrappling.com to register for that. I will be refing at that and uh, assuming work doesn't put me on a late flight from the West Coast again. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. I want to shout out one performance from U.S. Grappling in Greensboro because it'll provide a segue into talking about the Mundials later. Andrew Bittner won double gold. He went undefeated, won four matches, all of them by submission at the Purple Belt level. Now, Bittner uh, is, you know, we talk a lot on the show about the process for learning and the process to improve. And Bittner is one of those dudes that I say, as a a total compliment, is a jiu-jitsu nerd. He's the dude who really enjoys breaking down film, breaking down his own match video, match video of high-level practitioners and you've really seen it in his technique you know and obviously he has tremendous instructors in terms of Brandon Garner and Jason Bumpkin Wingate um, and you can really see that and so Bittner has been on a tear lately and is registered for the world and I'm really excited to see how he does and but and as I think that provides an ample segue into talking about the Mundials so on the other side of this break we're going to talk about the Mundial de Jiu-Jitsu. We're going to talk about why it's so exciting. We're going to talk about why it's such a fun experience, why I think everybody who trains Jiu-Jitsu should go at least once. And we're going to talk about who you should watch from the local community on the other side of this. I want to talk to you guys about Cageside Fight Company for a second. I've been buying from Cageside for more than six years, and about 99% of the gear that I use is from Cageside. That's not because other companies don't make good stuff. They do. It's just that Cageside offers the highest quality products at the best value and, no joke, the best customer service I've ever experienced in my life. So whether you're looking for shin pads, whether you're looking for Thai gear, whether you're looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu geese or Valetudo shorts, whether you're looking for the coolest t-shirts around, check out Cageside.com or come into their fight shop at one. 24 Lotter Road, right in Durham, North Carolina. You won't be sorry. Another thing I want to mention about Cageside is they do more to support local fighters and local Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitors than just about anybody else. And so we've got to support the people that support us. Check out Cageside Fight Company, 124 Lotter Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at cageside.com. So why is the Mundial so exciting? Um, there are a lot of reasons. From a competitive perspective, it's sort of the apex of what gi jiu-jitsu is all about. This is the kind of thing that you can always tell your kids and your grandkids. If you went and competed at the Mundials and if you got on the podium or won, I mean, that's the currency of legend. You become a world champion. You join the ranks of the best of all time. And it's, it, it's just a stunning experience. From a visitor's and a jiu-jitsu tourist experience... It's the best place on earth. I'll never forget the first time I went to the Mundials. And in fact, I mentioned this in an earlier show where I sort of took you through um, an experience working, uh, where I took you through my first experience going to the world. And what's staggering about it isn't just you competing. I mean, that, that's an overwhelming experience enough. But everywhere you turn, there are legends of the art. There are legends of the art from back in the day. There are currently competing legends. There's, you know, everybody from Hicks and Gracie to Rafael Mendez. You turn around a corner and there's Marcelo Garcia. Even the venue is something that's a really impressive venue. The Walter Pyramid is sort of an iconic structure. It's one of two pyramids its size in the United States. And so it's just a, the, the type of thing that you're never going to forget if you do it. You know, hopefully a lot of people listening to this show have had the opportunity to go to the Mundials as a competitor or as a spectator. If you haven't, that is something that I would absolutely recommend if you have the opportunity. If you don't have the opportunity, though, which is most of us, you know, most of us can't just hop on a flight and go to Los, uh, to to, um, to Long Beach, California. Um, but if you can't, there are other options as well. And so I want to talk to you about a couple things. Now that we've, we've told you how important it is that you get to check out the Mundials, let's talk about the best way to watch if you can't make it out to Long Beach, to the Walter Pyramid. So I have a method, and this is going to lead into talking about how you can follow along with us. So the best way to watch the Mundials is having a Flow Grappling account. And so I have a Flow Grappling Pro account, which uh, is, you know, people. some people complain about this on the internet. I, I think it's sort of like the Louis C.K. everything's amazing and nothing, nobody's happy video, where it's like, you know, people complain sometimes about, you know, the, about the, the service hiccuping or things like that. It's like, man, you know... I, 
I can turn on my computer and watch any jujitsu athlete that I possibly could want to watch in real time. That's incredible, and it, and it's archived. So let's uh, just be a little grateful for that. the The way that this works is if you have if you have a Flow Grappling account, you can go to flowgrappling.com and sign up. It is a paid service. If you if you have the means, it is something that I think that it is worth it. And so you're able to live stream all the matches. There are twelve mats going at a time, and so it's difficult to know exactly where to go and it can be overwhelming they sometimes have a featured mat but a that's when the 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 flow grappling folks get to pick who you watch which is not always the selection i would make and b sometimes they switch off between the featured matches so if you're watching like maybe your favorite athlete is bruno malthasini and he's competing and there's three minutes left in the match and suddenly they the uh they, they switch to a different match so that can be frustrating so the optimal method, I think, is to get a list going of who you want to watch. And here's how you can do that. So the IBJJF has a big board at events.ibjjf.com. I'm going to put all this information in a blog post at, on dirtywhitebelt.com and link to it on the Facebook page. But so what I like to do beforehand, and don't worry if this sounds like too much work, I'm going to do all the work for you. We'll get to that in a second. And so I like to keep a list of like the folk that I am most interested in watching, both local and otherwise. And then the IBJJF puts together a board that has the rough time and the rough mat that those folks are, are going to compete on. And so often I will just make notes of like, all right, Caitlin Huggins is competing on mat five around noon. Kim Rice is competing on mat seven at about 1230, just so I'm prepared for that. And that way I can flip back and forth on, on, the, on flow grappling. So you fire up flow grappling along the bottom of the screen. There's mats one through 12. And so you can switch back and forth um, to, to, to check out who you want to check out. So what, and like I say, I'm going to, I'm going to put all this information in a blog post at dirtywhitebelt.com uh, with screenshots to help walk folks through this process. It's not, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty intuitive process, but it's still, I, I think as people are visual and I think sometimes it helps to see my method. So uh, the other thing that I like to do, and this is something that we're going to do if, uh, for folks without flow grappling accounts, is I enjoy uh, having a Facebook open thread. Like everybody follows this. Everybody keeps track of updates through Facebook these days. And so on DirtyWetBelt.com and on our Facebook page, which is Cage Side Radio, we're going to have an open thread where I'm going to be posting all the results from local competitors as well as any other relevant results. And I invite you to join me in that. You know, the Facebook thread is going to be open. And so you can post, uh, you can post results from folks that I missed. Two things about that. First of all, please let us know beforehand if there's somebody that's not on the list that should be on the list. And second, always feel free to post additive things, even if it's the things that are people that are not even necessarily from the area, but just folks that you think are, uh, are interesting to watch. Often in these threads, I'm going to post screenshots of people getting their hands raised, of little little clips from matches, if I possibly can, just so that uh, so that folks that do not have access to flow grappling have the ability to follow along and have fun with the rest of us. So to recap, if you have the ability to be in Long Beach, it is an absolutely amazing experience, and you ought to have you ought to do that at least once in your life. If you do not have the ability to be in Long Beach, but you want to follow along and watch your friends, watch your teammates, or just watch the best in the world compete. I believe a flow grappling account is really worth it. And uh, I use it. I enjoy it. It's uh, it's big fun. So get a flow grappling account. Uh, prepare by looking at the big board, looking about who's going to compete when. You know, that's if you're an obsessive nerd like me. If you're not, that's fine. Just, just uh, put, on, put on whatever match seems cool. And if you can't get out to the Mundials, if you can't afford a flow grappling account or don't have access to it, then go to dirtywhitebelt.com or go to facebook.com slash cagesideradio and we will have open threads that where we're posting about the results for every local competitor that we can find as well as many of the national competitors that we think are interesting. So if uh, w- through one of those ways, uh, I'm sure that you will be able to join us and join in the fun of the Mundials. I'm going to post a blog post with all of this information at dirtywhitebelt.com so you can check out how to watch the Mundials there. That'll be up in the next couple days. And on the other side of this break, I am going to talk about who you should watch at the Mundials. So if you're thinking about, well, Jeff, what you're saying sounds logical, but I don't have any idea where to begin in terms of making a list of people to watch that aren't on my team. Don't worry, we've got you covered. On the other side of this break, I'm going to talk extensively about who locally and who nationally you should watch at the Mundials if you want to maximize your enjoyment. Hey, Jeff Shaw. Yes, Betsy. When you were starting out competing in tournaments, how often did you compete? 
I competed regularly. Every tournament that I possibly could, I went and competed at. My first tournament was about two months after I'd started training, and it was the U.S. Grappling NC State Championships in Raleigh. Oh, wow. What was that like? Uh, it was overwhelming. I had a no-gi match. I had prepared so hard. And no-gi, they always run no-gi first. And I had trained so hard. I was in great shape. And about 30 seconds in, I just wanted to die. And I had this <laughs> adrenaline dump that was just embarrassing. I still have this match on video. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you look back on as you, you're not happy that you did it, but you're happy that you have done it. <laughs> Well, um, I'm looking forward to checking out uh, U.S. Grappling competition, and it's, I think my first match is going to be at U.S. Grappling. Is there anything I need to know besides to watch out for the adrenaline dump? Definitely watch out for the adrenaline dump. Just show up ready to compete and have a good experience. You'll uh, keep an open mind, and remember that all of these other people are grapplers, too, that do this because they love it and because they have fun. And one thing that keeps me sane and keeps my mentality positive is before I step on the mat, no matter how tough the other person is, no matter if I don't know anything about them or don't know anything about them, I always remind myself, hey, this is what you do for fun. You choose to be here. There's no place that you would rather be. Well, we're going to be at a U.S. grappling tournament in the next couple of weeks, so we'll see you there. If you want to find their full schedule, uh, you can go to usgrappling.com. And thanks for supporting our friends and sponsors over there. So we're about 10 days out as I'm recording this, which means that not all of the registrations are in, but the majority of them are. You will still see people pop up and register. For example, Rafael Mendez, probably the greatest jiu-jitsu athlete currently operating today, has not registered yet. I'm sure that that will change. That being said, we have a pretty good idea about who's going to be competing at the Mundials. And so this segment is going to be divided into two sections. First, I'm going to talk about the overall folks that I recommend watching. These are going to be the famous people, right? The people that win the worlds, that are likely to win it again and that I think are just most exciting and fun to watch, as well as some of the interesting storylines. That's going to be shorter because you can find that information elsewhere, I think, and a lot of people have their own favorites. But uh, the second part is the part that I'm really interested in talking to you about, which is the local folks I am most excited to watch and what their divisions look like. So I'm actually going to break down like who is in their division and what I think about uh, the prospects. Because I think th- this, you know, uh, the Mundials is very difficult. This is, this is where the best people in the world are. And what's kind of interesting about it is the lower belt levels are difficult and the upper belt levels are difficult, but they're difficult for different reasons. Whereas if you are in a black belt division, you might not have as many people as there are in the blue belt division, which are the biggest divisions. And so if you're a blue belt, you might have to win 10, 12 matches in order to, to win the Mundials, which is a lot of matches, even, you know, even against chumps, and there are no chumps here. Um, if you're a black belt, though, you might have seven to ten or twenty people in your division but there will be no one in that division that is not tough like literally zero soft spots um and so whether you win the mundials at white belt or whether you win the mundials at black belt you know obviously those are different levels of achievement but both are significant achievements and no one should undercut and no one should imply otherwise so let's talk about the mundials overall let's talk about the black belt because generally speaking when fans watch the mundials uh, if you're not super interested in prospects uh, at brown belt, prospects at purple belt, The pe- people want to watch the black belts. And so I want to talk about the storylines that I think are most significant for both the, 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 the women black belts and the men black belts. And so let's start with the, with the women black belts, because I think there's something really interesting that has sort of changed the game. So Dominica Obelinite, who uh, has been a guest on this podcast and is currently the best athlete competing in jiu-jitsu today, pound for pound, I think. And it has won the Worlds, won the Absolute, and would have been the favorite to do so again. Has a shoulder injury and had to have surgery, which is unfortunate. And we wish Dominica a speedy recovery on that. But that sort of opens up the field again for the Absolute Championship. And I think that there's a couple of, like, and I'm going to tell you someone that you should watch and someone that I think is probably now again the favorite to win the Black Belt Absolute, and that's Bia Mesquita. Now, Bia Mesquita is seeking her sixth uh, Mundial World Championship, and she's only 26 years old, uh, which is incredible. And before Dominica came along and before, you know, Bia would fight Gabby Garcia in the finals of the Absolute, often. Now, Bia goes about 160, and Gabby does not. And so the fact that Bia was able to be competitive in those matches sort of tells you about her technique. And when Gabby left to do MMA, Bia Mosquito won the absolute and it did so in dominant fashion. So before Dominica came along, Bia was sort of, was sort of it. 
and I mean, she's still she's still it. There's a significant side size difference between those two women, um, which is not to be not to be undermined. But with Dominica out, I think Bia Mesquita is the favorite to win the absolute again this year, and is also just a pleasure to watch. Part of the reason that I say that is it's not just her prior achievements. Uh, winning the world's five times, but also she's been on a tear lately. Um, Bia recently won the San Diego Open, both her weight class and absolute. She's beaten Mackenzie Dern. She beat Mackenzie Dern in the absolute finals. Uh, I think it was 11 to zero. And before she uh, rather famously submitted Mackenzie Dern from the back in about a minute. And you know how good Mackenzie Dern is. Mackenzie Dern is outstanding, one of the top jiu-jitsu athletes competing today. And so the fact that Bia is able to handle her is it tells you a little bit about what you're about what you're looking at. Her top rivals, it'll be really interesting to see who rises up um, to compete with Bia because there's always somebody that's kind of a surprise. If I had to make a guess, like Gabby Garcia is not registered for the Mundials this year. That could change. Obviously, if Gabby, um, you know, multiple-time absolute world champion, registers, then that's a battle that I, I'm that I think we'll want to watch. It will be interesting to see if someone from one of the higher weight classes, someone like Venla Lukanen, who's been in a lot of these absolute finals from Finland, or Talita Noguera, who is, in addition to a, being a jiu-jitsu world champion at, at heavyweight, is also a Bellator fighter and super physically adept. It'll be interesting to see if, who rises up to challenge Bia, but at this point I think Bia Mesquita is the, uh, is the favorite. On the men's side... Marcus Buchecha, Marcus Almeida uh, Buchecha, uh, has to be considered the favorite in the absolute division. One thing that the, you know, he's, he, before his knee injury, he was basically an unstoppable force, and he's come back fierce. And so he's also, I mentioned both Bia and Buchecha, not just because uh, I believe they are the favorites to win the absolutes division, respectively, but they are also two of the most fun people to watch. Buchecha is an ultra heavy who moves like a lightweight. And it's just crazy. So if you're if you're relatively new to the world of sport jujitsu, definitely seek out his matches. Not just because he is one of the best, maybe the best, but also because he's just really fun to watch. Another person that I want to recommend on the men's side of the bracket that's extremely fun to watch is at the opposite end of the size spectrum, and that is the mighty Bruno Malfasini. Now Bruno Malfasini is a roosterweight, uh, but is a dude that you just can't beat. And he's the best rooster weight in the world. He won the pans uh, this past year, winning, I think, all his matches by submission. And he moves so brilliantly that um, he's that I, I believe he's won the world six times, and this will be going for his seventh world, world championship. So definitely seek out Bruno Malfasini's matches. I already mentioned it, and regular listeners of the podcast know that I'm a huge fan of Rafael Mendez. He's not registered yet. I assume he will register. But Rafael Mendez is not just, I think, the best pound-for-pound male jiu-jitsu athlete in the world. He is also one of the most beautiful to watch. He's one of those dudes that is, uh, you know, CJ Murdoch, when he rolled with him one time, described him as a floating brick, where he moves so fluidly and floats and floats, and then if he doesn't want you to move, you don't move. And if you watch him on, you know, to, to get yourself fired up, and often I'll do this to get myself fired up to train and drill, is just Google Rafael Mendez highlight videos. And you'll see him, you know, competing against world-class black belts, and it looks like he's drilling in the gym. Uh, just incredible, fluid, beautiful jujitsu. I would be remiss, too, if I didn't mention Leandro Lowe. I mean, most everybody knows Leandro Lowe, but, but um, you know, he and, Fer- like, he and Faria have had some battles. And Leandro... Uh, pretty much the only thing he hasn't won is the absolute at the Worlds. And he's bulked up recently to try to compete with bigger guys. And so I would I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. And I'm very excited to see how Leandro stacks up against some of the bigger guys. Uh, and and so, man, I'm so excited. I'm, you know, I'm just excited to watch the Worlds this year. That's That's the bottom line. And so those are some of the folks that I think are the that are most likely to win the absolute this year. I want I want to throw one other thing in there, uh, like in terms of in terms of Buchecha, in terms of who is going to be able to challenge him in the absolute division. You know, Herbert Santos uh, is a sort of a polarizing figure in the jiu-jitsu scene, um, but he's had a terrific competitive year. And last year, it really looked like he was gonna. Uh, it, it looked like he, he, you know, it looked like last year was his year, and it wound up not being his year. There's a uh, and so watch for Herberth. He's, he's one of those dudes that, like, again, he's a polarizing figure. Some people really like him. Some people really don't. Um, he is an incredible physical specimen. And so he's one of those that could rise up and challenge and challenge Buchecha. The other name that I want to throw out, of course, is Bernardo Faria, who's also one of the coolest guys in jiu-jitsu, as well as being, uh, as well as being 
a uh, a multiple time world champion, and it, I want to mention those two as sort of counterpoints to each other. Um, Herbert and and Bernardo, because Herbert's game is predominantly based on explosiveness. Uh, you know, he will get away with stuff that I think other folks could not. Whereas Bernardo, um, he has a very specific game that if he traps you into his game, it doesn't actually matter who you are. You're going to have a very difficult time. Whether you know, if he gets you into his, he's well known for his deep half guard and he's well known for his over under pass, and he has a, an extremely effective sweep game where once he gets you into deep half chances are you're getting swept and chances are you're getting swept right into a high percentage passing position so he is not just being honest he is not always the most thrilling competitor to watch because it can be slow it can be plotting it often looks the same even you know even if there are details and intricacies that are extremely important for effectiveness but boy is it effective and you know and i will never hate on a competitor for taking for doing what it takes to win within the rules especially somebody like bernardo faria who has refined this game to a level that he can do it against the best guys in the world and so i think pachecha has to be considered the favorite and is extremely exciting to watch but also watch for herbert santos and bernardo faria who are two kind of like opposites both in terms of temperament and in terms of game and they might be able to challenge him as well regardless of of who wins i really hope that you uh that you have fun watching and uh, no matter who wins, it is going to be an amazing, amazing four days of jiu-jitsu, and I couldn't possibly be more excited. Our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company, featuring the best gis, rash guards, shirts, fight shorts, and all other products for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Toro BJJ is the best company to support for your grappling needs. Additionally, Toro BJJ does a lot to support our local community as well, and it's important to support those who support us. You can check them out online at torobjj.com or in person at 124 Ladder Road in the location of Cage Side Fight Company and Triangle Jiu-Jitsu. So here's the thing. Uh, this show is mostly about jiu-jitsu in the Carolinas and beyond. So it shouldn't surprise you that as excited as I am to watch the jiu-jitsu heroes and the rock stars and the multiple-time world champions, I'm actually even more excited to watch a lot of our local folks. So I think there are about three dozen local folks that are making the trip out to compete at the Worlds. So I can't possibly mention all those people. But what I do want to mention is I want to highlight people at each belt level that I think are worth watching, that I think have a chance to do very well, and I think will be very, uh, and, and that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing and that I'm really rooting for. So let's start. We're going to start at the white belt level. So Mariah Bragg from Alliance, who is a student of Tony Casares under Lucas Lepri, has been uh, dominating U.S. grappling tournaments and has done extremely well at some of the IBJJF tournaments that she has been in as well. She's been on the podium at multiple IBJJF Open tournaments, I believe, is a four-stripe white belt and has a really, you know, has a really well-developed game at white belt. And so this is the white belt. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people, you know, they'll say, oh, I don't, you know, a lot of people get hung up about not watching white belts. Sometimes white belt matches are really entertaining. And and if you th and I really think that, you know, the way Mariah works with the she works really hard the, with the quality of the instruction that she gets uh, from Tony and from Lucas and from the other folks that she trains with. I think Mariah can really make some noise in this division. And surprisingly, usually the white and the blue belt divisions are huge. But Mariah's division has 21 people in it. Now, you know, that's still several matches that you have to win in order to get on the podium. But at the white belt level, I think Mariah is somebody to watch. There are a couple of blue belts that I want to shout out, one of which is uh, not going to surprise any listeners of this podcast, and that's Gavin Corbet. So the Corbet brothers, uh, we talk about on the podcast all the time. Uh, these are uh, two dudes that push each other, uh, ha that have extremely well-rounded games, that are only getting better. Gavin won the state championship in wrestling this year, so he can wrestle in addition to jiu-jitsu. His guard is slick, but he also has a terrific top game. The thing ab about Gavin... And his divisions, you remember what I mentioned about blue belt divisions being huge? Well, Gavin at this point has 30 people in his division, which is, you know, five or six matches uh, to get on the podium because you have to allow for more people uh, signing up at the last minute. That happens particularly at the blue belt level. With all the jiu-jitsu academies out in California, I think a lot of folks wait to the last minute and then just say, oh, whatever, I'll, I'll sign up. I'll drop the 100 bucks and I'll compete. And so that division is going to be much bigger than it is. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, 
anybody that wins a division of that size is going to be a tough guy. But Gavin has the tools and the skills to do that. And so definitely, you know, it's never a bad idea to watch a Corbet brother at a tournament, both in terms of ability to get on the podium and just pure pleasure to watch. They move so well. They do everything well, top and bottom. So watch Gavin Corbet. The Blue Belt Division, it's always a, a, a difficult task to get through divisions that large, but Gavin can do it for sure. Elsewhere in the Blue Belt Division, Amber Habel is competing, and Amber has been training so hard. And Amber and her husband, Eric Habel, are both competing in the Blue Belt Division, and I am very excited to see how they do. So in addition to you know technical abilities and dedication, there's there is that physical aspect and not just the physical aspect but like i believe some people have the competitor gene you know competition skill a lot of it is mental like a huge percent percentage of it you you will always see people in the gym i'm going to digress for a second but bring it back um i think anybody that's been training jiu-jitsu a long time sees people that are killers in the gym and then they get out in competition they do, do not perform you i've seen it over and over, I've got a lot of, uh, uh, I've had a lot of really close friends that were like this that are like, man, they mash people in the gym and then they get out and you know, whether it's nerves or whether, you know, or whatever it is, you know, they just don't compete as good as they are. And then there's the flip side. There are some folks that you, you roll with them in the gym and you're like, ah, that person's, yeah, that person's okay. That person's nothing special. And then they win four gold medals at the tournament. And, and, and you have both. And I think the difference is mental. I think that there's a competition gene where there are some people and a lot of people on this list that I'm talking about to watch have this competitor gene that just rise to that occasion. And Amber is one of those. Now, there are about 50 women in Amber's division. So that's a ton of matches to get through. But re- relate back to the physical piece, which is Amber's in incredible shape. And has been doing a ton of extra work in terms of competition training. I'm actually about to, as soon as the show gets over, I'm going to go do competition training with her. Um, and is in maybe the best shape of her life. Her technique is on point. And so at the blue belt level, definitely watch for Amber Habel. Uh, and she's listed as Amber Ag, which is you know, the, her, the name on her identification. So if you want to watch her and follow along, we'll post a link on the Facebook. So those are the blue belts to watch. Amber Habel and Gavin Corbet. I have four purple belts I want to talk about, and uh, I'm going to talk about them, and one of them you've heard me talk about already. Um, so why don't we start with Andrew Bittner? Because Andrew Bittner is coming off a double gold performance undefeated at U.S. Grappling. This is something that's fairly common for Bittner these days, and he finishes all his matches, which makes him really fun to watch. People know him for his footlocks, but he does so much more. And, you know, he'll take your back. He'll, uh, you know, if, if he gets on top, God help you. And so uh, Andrew Bittner from Gracie Raleigh, is uh, this will be his first Mundials, and I'm sure it's not going to be his last, and I would not at all be surprised if he makes noise. I think this will be a very interesting division because the Purple Belt, the purple belt division at the Worlds is fierce. It's, uh, you, I, I'll be honest, I competed in Blue Belt at, at the Worlds a couple times, and, uh, you know, the, there are a lot of, and these days with everybody, with the top-level competitors training full-time and not having jobs and being sponsored, you know, there are a lot of really, really tough blue belts out there, but there are also a lot of recreational blue belts that just say like, hey, I'll sign up, maybe I'll compete against the next big thing. And, you know, I count myself like, I, you know, I, I took it very seriously when I competed at the Worlds, but, you know, I was a guy with a day job that uh, that was like, I'm going to give it my best shot, but I'm one of the, but I'm a dude that's, that's not going to be on the top of the podium at the end of the day. And there, there are folks like that in the blue belt division. There aren't really purple belts like that at the Worlds, at least in my experience. If you run up against the dude, at, 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 if, if you're in a purple belt division at the Worlds, you are going to be competing against very, very serious competitors. And so the thing is, Andrew Bittner can compete against all those guys. And I am very excited to see how he does. So Bittner has 19 people in his division right now. The one, the, the one person that has got to be considered the favorite to win that division is Devontae Johnson from Unity Jiu-Jitsu Bones, uh, who if you've, if you've followed him, you know that that dude's a beast. But here is how much I respect Andrew Bittner's game. Like, I've trained with both of those guys, and, like, I would love to see that match. And with a little bit of luck, maybe, maybe I will uh, at the Worlds and hopefully in the finals. So anyway, good luck to Andrew Bittner. I'm very excited to see how he does. A couple of other people. I mentioned Unity Jiu-Jitsu. Another show guest that has the ability to get on the podium is Juni Ocasio, Edwin Ocasio Jr. Juni. Uh, you heard our interview with him just a couple weeks ago. Juni is focused. 
jujitsu is his life. He is one of those cats that trains full time, that does this as a career, just trains and teaches. And he is in the gym all the time. When I was up in Unity at Unity training, I did the when I did the interview with Junie, um, we got up at six a.m. for a private. Junie taught a seven a.m. class, came back for the ten thirty, came back for the pro training in the early afternoon. And came back for the night class as well. And I think I think he probably did some drilling in between that. And that's sort of the typical day. This is the kind of of work ethic and that that they have going going on at Unity and that Juni has. And so this is uh, and so he is someone that I really expect to do well and is and I really uh, wish the best and hope a hope for. Now his division's huge. There's sixty guys in it, and there's a lot you know. And like, as I said, there are no real soft spots. At the at the purple bill adult division at the worlds, but uh, Juni's in the light feather division, and if you see him, he's on the podium all the time at all the IBJJF tournaments, and so I am very excited to watch him do his thing, and he's got some highlight videos out that we posted on the Facebook, so if you want to check him out, he is also a guy that I would just recommend watching. You know, uh, that someone is just very fun to watch. So a couple other people in the Purple Belt Division that I want to mention that are local that are also extremely fun to watch. One is Jin Ho Kim, uh, the Korean Honey Badger. Uh, so if you've trained with Jin Ho, you know that he is a fierce competitor. You know that he is one of the nicest dudes in the world. And you know he has physical attributes that that make him extremely difficult to deal with in a jiu-jitsu context. Like Jin Ho is one of those folks that can do a standing split. And so sweeping him is so unlikely. And that, I think, is, is, is going to give him an edge, particularly against people that don't really know that going into the matches. At Purple Belt, a lot of guys like to pull guard. Uh, the competitive rationale for this is that it's easier to get, you know, and it's, this is lame, uh, but but it's true, and everybody listening who competes at, at these tournaments knows it's true. People pull guard because it's easier to get advantages for almost sweeping than it is for almost passing, and it's easier to sweep than to pass. And that's lame, and we have to maybe think about fixing the rules, but but that's true. Here's the thing. If you pull guard on Jinho... Wow, is it going to be tough to sweep that cat? And I think a lot of people that are used to having like really advanced, difficult guards to pass and having really complex sweep games, I think a lot of people are going to are going to pull guard on Jinho expecting to be able to put him off balance and just are not going to be able to do so. And so Jinho Kim uh, from Forge Fitness uh, at the Purple Belt Division is def- at the Purple Belt level is definitely something that I want to watch. Uh, there is somebody that I want to watch. And again, you know, Jinho is also one of the coolest dudes ever, and so it's so easy to root for. Um, and uh, so watch for Jinho Kim and uh, and root for him. The last purple belt I want to mention is one of my teammates and someone that we've had on the show very briefly, and that's Shayla too. So I am very, very excited to see Shayla compete at the purple belt division, in the purple belt division. If you remember last year, or, you know, if you don't remember, I'm going to remind you, last year at the Worlds, Shayla went through a blue belt division of, I think, 80 women and got, uh, and ended up winning a bronze medal. And her run through the tournament was just a thrilling thing to watch. She dominated her first several matches, um, getting on top passing the guard, mounting, and she would either Americana or armbar like her first couple opponents. Wound up fighting a French judoka in the octafinals or the quarterfinals, one, one of those two. And and this is where the sort of game plan w- was stalled because this this woman's judo was outstanding. And she, her base was incredible, very difficult to take down a high-level judoka. And so she wound up... Uh, so Shayla uh, wound up fighting this French judoka, couldn't take her down, and this French judoka foot swept Shayla for two points. Now Shayla popped right back up, but now she's down. It's like okay, well we can't take this girl down. And Shayla ended up hitting one of the coolest submissions that I've ever seen, bar none, in a jujitsu match where she was down with like 40 seconds left and threw the craziest flying armbar that was just perfectly executed. And so this is sort of what it's like to watch watch Shayla. Um, and you can hear her talk about that in our show in the archive from last year's Mundials. I interviewed her right after after she did that. Um, but here's my point. Shayla medaled at the Worlds at, at Blue Belt. And this will be her first year competing at Purple Belt. Now, the level is different. As I mentioned, it's going to be it's, it's always going to be difficult, but it's going to be difficult in different ways. And so whereas she had to go through a division of, I think, 80 women last time, there are 23 in her division this time. And so, you know, that'll probably swell a little bit. But, you know, I will say this. There's nobody in the world that is going to, like, 
uh, Shayla has a chance against anybody in the world um, because of her uh, of her technique, because of her physical abilities, because Shayla has Shayla has almost preternatural grace. At, you know, she's almost all almost at Jinho level of, of tough to sweep, and she does have that competitor gene. Like if you if it, she's the type of person that once she steps on the mat, like there is. It, it's funny if you see pictures of her at tournaments. And off the mat, she's laughing, she's joking, she's smiley, she's goofy. Some of the most fierce jujitsu photos I've taken are of Shayla about to finish submissions. And th- that is the face of someone that is deep into their competitiveness. And, and so I'm, I couldn't be more excited to watch her compete. So to recap before we get to the brown and black belts, at white belt, Mariah Bragg from Alliance, uh, student of Tony Casares and Lucas Lepri. At blue belt, Amber Habel, uh, who is listed as Amber AG in the, uh, uh, will be listed on the big board of Triangle Jiu-Jitsu under Seth Champ. Gavin Corbet of Team Pedro Sauer, also at blue belt in Coastal BJJ uh, of the Corbet brothers. So white belt, Mariah Bragg, blue, Amber Habel, and Gav- Gavin Corbet. At purple belt, the four purple belts that we listed, uh, Andrew Bittner from Great. Gracie Raleigh, we talked extensively about Bittner. Shayla too, also of Triangle Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, Junio Casio from Unity BJJ in New York City. And Jinho Kim, the Korean Honey Badger from Forged Fitness. Um, once again, we're going to be posting a blog post with all these names. Uh, we're going to be posting a blog post and a Facebook Live thread that tells you match times and what mat these folks are on as we get close to the worlds and that information becomes available. So at the brown belt level. This is where it gets really like, like this is where the pyramid sort of narrows, you know, and, and let me explain what I mean. Uh, everybody starts jujitsu as a white belt. So there's lots of us and it's a broad base of the pyramid. As you continue, things happen. People decide they don't like jujitsu as much as they thought. People it gets tough and people people decide to quit. Sometimes people get injured. Sometimes people uh, life things happen, whatever. You're, there's always going to be fewer black belts than there are white belts. And that. It, that process iterates at every stage. There are going to be fewer blue belts than there are white belts. Uh, and at brown belt is where the process of weeding out is almost complete. And so that means the brown belt divisions are smaller by and large. But they are also full of people that have really put the time in to to achieve a level of excellence. And one of those people is my teammate Kim Rice, who is listed in the division, who is listed as Sarah Gale Rice, which is the name on her ID. So if you want to watch her, she's under Sarah Gale Rice. Now, it, it, we talked about Kim a fair bit on this show, even though she's uh, she's only come on the show one time, and uh, we made a deal that she would come on the show for two minutes and then would never have to again. So, which is a bummer, but uh, because Kim has a lot of interesting things to say, but Kim has to be considered one of the one of the favorites at the brown belt level, and that's because Kim has won the blue belt world championship. Kim got bronze at purple belt, and now competing at, at brown, where again it's going to be the. the this division is filled with tough people, but there are six people in her division. Kim is another one of those people, too, that is fun to watch. And she's fun to watch for very different reasons than some of the things that I've mentioned. Like I mentioned, Jinho and Shayla are really fun to watch because they have this sort of balance and flexibility and this sort of almost ballet-style grace. Kim is a, f- a straight-ahead bulldozer. And Kim is really fun to watch because she just keeps coming. And I've ne- I've seen Kim win so many matches against opponents that were equal to or maybe even like maybe even slightly more skilled than she is and she won because of dogged persistence determination rigorous physical conditioning and just the refusal to lose and i've seen i've seen her compete against people that you know just gradually slow down over the course of the match and so that's what i think and kim never slows down ever Um, So there are only six people right now in Kim's division. Again, that's probably going to expand a little bit, but it probably will end up being about 10. And I'm going to butcher the last name of of the the other person (laughs) in the division that I think you should watch, which is Marija Malasiak. And Marija from Zenith BJJ is extremely tough, um, had an incredible amount of competitive success, and then unfortunately tore her ACL. And so she's back uh, uh, after that injury. And this is the, the the only other person in the division that 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 I know of, which does you know that I know personally, and so I think those two people, like I think Kim and Marija, are probably going to end up competing against each other, and I'm going to really enjoy watching it. Um, so watch for Kim Rice, Sarah Gale Rice on the list. 
Elsewhere in the brown belt division are two close friends and occasional training partners and occasional competitors. I'm going to start with one that you can probably guess, and that is DeAndre Corbet. DeAndre is Gavin Corbet's brother. The Corbet brothers are those guys that pretty much dominate whatever tournaments they're in. And the and DeAndre has had a tremendous amount of success recently. You know, won the New York Open. Um, and is, generally speaking, going to be on the podium. He's in a division with 23 people, many of whom he's competed against before, that uh, I, I recognize a lot of the names that he's competed against before. And DeAndre is one of those folks that I am never going to be surprised if you told me he won gold. Like, you know, no matter what the tournament is, no matter what the rule set is. And, again, really fun guy to watch. So DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Corbet uh, of the Corbet brothers and Pedro Sauer team, uh, in the brown belt adult male rooster division. Watch one of his matches if you haven't, and you won't be sorry, and watch him at the world. So one of DeAndre's good friends, good training partners, and another Toro Cup veteran is Anthony Elbert. Now, Anthony is also a brown belt, and his division is filled with killers. But, you know, fortunately, Anthony is no slouch himself. So Anthony is going to be in the brown belt adult male light division. So thankfully, the, those two guys aren't going to run up against each other. Uh, and there are 48 guys in that division. Now, if you've seen Anthony compete, if, so if you haven't seen Anthony compete, you need to do one thing, and that's go to our Facebook page and go to the videos tab, or go to dirtywhitebelt.com and go to the videos tab and check out some of Anthony's Toro Cup matches. The thing that makes Anthony incredible to watch is that he is always attacking. He's attacking triangle chokes. He is attacking bow and arrow chokes. He is taking your back. He is relentless. If he's in a bad position, he's going to fight to get out of that bad position. If he is, you know, if he is in a good position, he is going to, he's not going to stall. He's going to continue trying to finish the fight. And so he's extremely fun to watch. And one of the, the greatest, like just one of the most genuine, cool and kind people out there as well, which is, you know, uh, you know, the untold secret of this podcast is I generally try to promote people that are also in addition to being excellent jujitsu athletes, just really good people <laughs> and anthony is definitely one of those so good luck to anthony and good luck to deandre both of whom fall into that category anthony has some biggish names in his division too espen matheson who is one of the guys who breaks down videos on the internet um there's also gary guioni who is another uh excellent pedro sour team uh athlete and toro cup veteran who's a super tough guy so there's a lot of really lot of excellent athletes in that division which just means you should watch it and good luck to anthony in that division so those are the brown belts, uh, Kim Rice, Anthony Elbert, and DeAndre Corbet. Uh, I'm excited to see how all of those folks do. So there's a couple black belts that I think you should watch. In addition, so first of all, before I get to the two black belts that are local that I recommend you watching, I want to say this, which is you should watch all of the black belts. Like, watch as many black belt matches as you can, partially because you're always going to learn something. Every black belt does something differently, right? Like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, Bernardo Faria and Herbert Santos who are both elite black belt competitors and don't roll anything like each other. And so watching black belts, you're always going to learn a ton. And the other thing is you'll, you'll explore and you'll find people to admire that you didn't know about. There are so many good black belts out there these days that, you know, just watching a match between two random black belts, I think, is likely to yield some fun and interesting results. But, you know, and, and you don't have to watch random black belts. You can watch the ones that, uh, that, that, that you know are recommended. But, but watch every black belt match you can uh, is sort of my, my recommendation here. So the two people that I want to sort of lift up, one is a guy that I'd love to get on the show sometime, which is Diego Bispo. And Diego, Diego's team is Aries BJJ, uh, and that's Samir Chantre, Osvaldo Cuchino, a lot of terrific dudes. And so Diego is really fun to watch. He's taught a couple of seminars around here that are really well-received and is a, a really high-level competitor who is on the podium a lot. Now, for those of you that are avid fans of sport jiu-jitsu, I'm going to mention some of the people that are in Diego's division. Michael Lange, Roberto Satoshi, Vitor Oliveira, Edwin Najmi, AJ Agazarm, uh, Rodrigo Freitas Barata, uh, Celsino, Celso Vinicius, uh, j just a ton of of killers in that division. And so Diego himself is an absolute beast. And and he's going to be competing against other absolute beasts. There's Marcelo Mafra's in there too. It's, it's just, just a ton of terrific athletes there. So definitely, definitely watch those matches. Uh, so good luck to Diego Bispo in that division and all of his Aries BJJ teammates. The last black belt the, that I'm going to recommend that you watch 
is our friend Toro BJJ and uh, and Dirty White Belt sponsored athlete Caitlin Huggins. So Caitlin uh, of Terraplanus BJJ trains out of Great Grappling, trains with the 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 with Jeremy Arell, trains with the the Murdoch brothers, all those folks. So Caitlin is one of those folks that is is on the cusp of breaking through. And it's been really exciting to watch her develop as an athlete and work to achieve her goals. And you remember the rant I went on about the pyramid, about how, you know, some of these divisions are huge and it's tough to get through a huge division because you have to do 10 matches. Well, Caitlin has the opposite issue. There are six people in her division and every single one of them is excellent. So Kate, the, the, the people that are in Caitlin's division right now are Monique Elias, who won the Worlds last year and fought Caitlin last year and beat her, um, and is and and uh, when we interviewed Dominica Oblanite, Dominica cited uh, Monique as one of the toughest fights she's ever had. So tough lady, Ana Carolina Vieira, who is uh, Hadolfo Vieira's sister and who had a memorable match with Kim Rice. And I have never seen Kim dominated the way that Ana Carolina dominated Kim. Uh, so pretty tough and great wrestling too. Ana Carolina has great wrestling. Ida Flosvik who has also been a guest on the podcast, who is the New York Open Absolute Champion and a Hodger Gracie black belt from Norway. Amanda Lowen, who's a straight blast gym black belt from Seattle, another person that Dominica listed as one of her toughest matches. And the last person in the division is an alliance black belt, Jacqueline Rodriguez, who is from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and has done extremely well at tournaments down in Brazil. And so this is what I mean when I say there are no soft spots. Now, I will tell you this. Caitlin can win. I really believe that and I have watched her work hard and prepare and I have I've seen her growth and this is and and now this is her time this is her stage and you heard me list the accomplishments of the athletes that she's going to be competing against and one of these days you're going to hear me list those accomplishments for Caitlin Caitlin is another one of those athletes that's really fun to watch for a lot of the same reasons Kim is dogged persistence and determination never giving up and just being relentless and so there are no easy matches at that level um, but this is but but I am very excited to watch all of Caitlin's hard work pay off and I would recommend that you also watch Caitlin Huggins Terraplanist Jiu Jitsu training out of great grappling at the Worlds so that's our Mundial preview, folks. Um, I am sure, I'm 100% sure that I left people out. And for that, I apologize. Uh, this is something that is a labor of love for me. And so if I made mistakes, please let me know. If I left people out that I should know about, that I should shout out on the next show or shout on on the internet, please do let me know. You can email the show at uh, cagesidewhup at gmail.com. You can get at us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, our Twitter is DWB Radio and our Instagram is Dirty White Belt. And you can always post on our Facebook page and just let us know, hey, check this person out. You should watch them as well. As immediately after this show posts, I'm going to have a blog post where I recount everything we talked about and get to get folks ready to watch the world. So again, if you can be out there in Long Beach, be out there in Long Beach. You won't regret it. If you can't be, that, be out there in Long Beach, I am a flow grappling believer. I think that it's a terrific way to watch the best in the world from the comfort of your own home. If you can't have, if you can't watch flow grappling, if you can't afford flow grappling, go to dirtywhitebelt.com and check out our blog, or go to facebook.com/cagesideradio. The week of the Mundials, we will have uh, open threads that provide updates, that provide video where we can, that provide photos where we can, so you can keep track of your friends, you can keep track of your teammates, and you can keep track of all the best athletes in the world as they go for the top prize in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, I've all, as always, I have a lot of fun doing this show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, w- next week, we are going to have another preview show of the Toro Cup because another thing that makes this the most wonderful time of the year is right after the Mundials end at the 1st of June, Toro Cup, June 10th, is going to be the most bonkers Toro Cup ever, and we're going to have John Bagels Telford back in the studio to talk to us about all of the athletes for Toro Cup 6. This has been Dirty White Belt Radio on WHUP. My name is Jeff Shaw. I want to thank you once again for listening, and we'll see you next Sunday. Mm-hmm.